Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Leticia Niago, the Vice President of Learning for the Metro DC chapter of the Association for Talent Development. And I'm Christina Eanes, Director of Virtual Programs. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hupka, the Vice President of Finance. We also have Helena Hodges, and Helena is our Director of Technology and Operations, and she serves as our producer. For today's episode, we are interviewing Roger Connors. He is the Chairman and Co-Founder of Zero to Ten, a coaching and leadership company. Welcome, Roger. Thanks so much. Good to be here. Before we jump into our topic of coaching, do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself with our listeners? Well, sure. So I began in this business about 35 years ago and uh, joined a a small boutique consulting firm called Sundalini Leadership Consulting. And they were into corporate culture at the time. Nobody knew what that was. And uh, so all my early work was on uh, organizational culture. I had some really interesting projects I worked on, Three Mile Island after the accident, and uh, Drexel Burnham Lambert. It was a high-yield junk department uh, with Michael Milken. Went in after that episode happened, and that was a great start. And then I founded my own company with my business partner, and we, it's called Partners in Leadership. We've written several New York Times bestselling books. One of the most well-known of those is uh, The Oz Principle and Change the Culture, Change yes. the Game. And, uh, and then sold that company a few years ago and, and started this new company called uh, Zero to Ten. And we're focused on uh, really a, a revolutionary, innovative way to create a coaching culture. Love that. Coaching is a great topic. And, you know, our talent development is all about this. So let's tap into your expertise for our listeners. First, for those who want to hear from your perspective, how does coaching help people be more effective at their jobs? Well, there's a ton of research. In fact, our book, Get a Coach, Be the Coach, really uh, goes deep into that. But the, the concept that we are all more effective when we have an effective coach is really indisputable. The research shows that. I think uh, most, most lately studies have shown about a 100% increase in productivity when effective coaching is included in the mix of human performance. So, you know, why, why can't everyone have access to a coach? You know, in most organizations, it's reserved for senior executives, high potentials, uh, possibly some situations where there's some problems that need to be solved, but it's not scaled in any way to the entire organization. So uh, the real innovation here for me is thinking through how can you scale coaching within an organization so that everyone at every level of the organization, including the front line, has access to getting coaching when they need it. And I think that really is the opportunity for organizations today. Wow, that's super interesting. I think that um, we have a lot of people who would benefit from coaching that are not in those um, high-level positions you kind of mentioned. And this is super interesting. Tell us, can you share what self-directed coaching is? That's a term that I've heard, and um, we'd love to know more. Well, all most people prefer their learning style is to be self-directed in that. Most of the major studies have shown not only millennials, but Gen Zers really prefer to be self-directed in the learning that they conduct. So being able to equip people with the ability to go get coaching anytime, anywhere for anything 
it, it's really not only not only a way to enhance individual performance, but it puts some power in the hands of people to go move forward in their careers and succeed in their work. You know, a lot of organizations, it's maybe not okay to raise your hand to ask for help. That's kind of why we hired you. We expect you to get the job done and go figure it out. But in the best organizations, the highest performing organizations, the organizations that are rated at the top of their game, they've developed coaching cultures where it's people have the ability to reach out to resources around them, peers and others, to get support when they need it and, and to equip themselves with the necessary information, knowledge sharing, uh, understanding that they need to, to really break through and accomplish what they're trying to do. So it, it's interesting to me, uh, Inc. Magazine recently published a Harvard study and the, the headline was something like Harvard Research says, if you if you want to improve your performance, don't ask for feedback. Ask for advice. <laughs> and, you know, we all went, what? We've been we've been working on feedback for the last two decades. What are you talking about? And what they're saying is that there's a lot of uh, baggage associated with this notion of feedback today. And what millennial generation really wants is coaching from others, coaching from people, you know, both within the organization and without. So it's that ability to have the have the ability to go get what you need when you need it to succeed in your job and to advance in your career. Ooh, I have a question for you, Roger. I'm a big fan of uh, coaching and feedback because obviously I teach it and I'm a coach. What are some ways do you recommend uh, people do self-directed coaching in addition to, of course, reading your book? Because I, I want to do that as well. <laughs> well, go try it. You know, it's, it's, it's like uh, what we found in our research is that there's about five typical conditions that when they present themselves, they're an ideal time to reach out and ask for coaching. And, and they, they'll make sense to you. So one is when I'm doing something for the first time. If I'm doing something for the first time, I should reach out and ask for coaching. If I'm stuck, I'm not making progress, reach out and get coaching. If I'm trying to be strategic, high levels of collaboration, if I'm trying to accelerate performance, speed it up, or if I'm trying to crush it, I've got a stretch goal I want to hit. Those are opportunities where people can reach out. And what we found, and all the research shows, that people are actually more willing than you would think to respond, we had one gifting attorney at a major university. She had a pretty technical problem she needed to solve. No one she knew in her area that she could talk to. So she said, I'm going to go try this. And this would, this would be my answer. She said, I, I identified 15 people. She was on the West Coast. They were on the East Coast. I identified 15 people that I, I wasn't connected with, but knew of them and knew they would probably have information that would be helpful to me to solve this problem. She said, I, I reached out thinking maybe three or four would respond. I said, well, what happened? She said, she said you're not going to believe this. All 15 responded and said they'd be happy to chat. Oh, wow. And so she had this amazing experience talking to these folks, developing her network and bringing in fresh ideas. All the research shows that in, in terms of social ties research, that we tend, to we tend to rely on strong ties when we're reaching out for information. But it's actually the weak ties, people more distant from us that don't travel in the same circles that provide more novel information. And that's what she did. She reached out to weak ties, 15 of them. She got all this information back she never considered before. She said, I solved my problem, got a new idea on how to use annuities in a real technical way for gifting in the university. She said, I'm just totally sold. And so my advice would be reach out, you know, and don't just reach out to the people you typically reach out to. Reach out to what we characterize as weak ties, people that you're not necessarily super connected with, but you know of. They travel in different circles and will provide more novel information. 
Oh, what a great way to build relationships and further build your network. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great insight on creating a coaching culture. That's really, really good. Um, tell us, Roger, a few months ago, your company, Zero to Ten, conducted a 2020 workplace coaching study. Can you share with us a little bit about the highlights of some of your findings? Well, one of the one of the things that just blows your mind is when you realize the asset that exists in organizations today. In our research, we found that uh, the average person has what we call 10 coach-ready skills that they could coach on at any given time. Meaning, like if I sat down with you and, and e- any one of you and said, you know, what... Uh, what are your skills? I'll just use Christina as an example. So Christina, if I if I said, let's start listing your skills, why don't you just do that for me real quick, Christina? Just start throwing out some skills for me. Uh, escape rooms. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Coaching, um, emotional intelligence, the, the four different aspects of it, uh, giving feedback, accountability, love the Oz principle, uh, and cracking jokes at inappropriate times. Perfect. It's we always get to six and then we stall, right? <laughs> always goes at six. And then what I would do if I were if we had time, I'd facilitate you in this. After about 20 minutes, would you be surprised if I told you that I could get you to 70 or 80 skills? Ooh, yeah, it depends on what we're talking about. Uh, if it, but sure, yes. <laughs> it's a skill, it's a skill. I mean, you know, just putting exactly on, putting on a podcast. How many skills do you think are associated with just putting on a podcast successfully? A lot. Yeah. Learning how to turn on the computer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's you're still so, so here's the thing. You know, we're at 70 or 80 skills. And then then there's two characteristics. We say number one, what skills do you feel sufficiently competent in? that you would feel comfortable coaching someone. And that gives you a little smaller pool. And then what skills would you be excited about coaching someone? And you're willing to do it. It, it kind of kind of is interesting to you. And what we found is that 70 or 80 goes down to about 10 or so skills that people have. So think about that a minute. Every person in the organization has 10 skills that they're sufficiently competent and willing to coach on that are around you. So that means if you have 100 people in your organization, that's, let me add a zero there. That's a thousand coaches. If you have 10,000 people in your organization, that's a hundred thousand coaches, right? So we're, we're talking about this 10 X multiplier and it already exists in your organization. It's not an asset on the balance sheet. It doesn't show up as a line item, but it's real and it's measurable. These are capabilities, experiences, knowledge, understanding that people can share with each other to help them take the next step. Wow. Talk about untapped resources. For sure. So, Roger, for talent development leaders and executives alike who may have a high level of influence, what are some things you would recommend they do to create that coaching culture if there isn't one in the environment that they work in? And you kind of touched on that a little bit, but what are some of the things you can recommend to us? Well, I think it's making a connection to performance, right? So let's say I'm a a leader, an HR leader, a CLO, whatever it might be, a training leader in an organization. And, uh, you know, we have a strategic initiative or a strategic direction that the organization is moving in. That's important to us. And we're trying to get traction. We're trying to figure out how do we get immediate traction so that people, every person is, is skilled up and better able to move the organization in that direction. So the strategic opportunity is creating a coaching culture that would supercharge that effort. 
Meaning when I do something for the first time relative to that strategic direction, or I'm stuck, accelerate, speed it up, want to crush it, that then I would start reaching out to my peers in a way that they could respond and help me be more effective at taking that next step. So I think it's leaders making the connection between the asset that already exists in the organization and how that could be deployed around a strategic initiative to really give traction to the organization. That, By the way, that's a, a discussion line leaders will have all day long. They're, they're looking for the edge to help them accelerate their ability to, to hit their numbers, turn in their objectives, and, and achieve their accountabilities. So a great, great conversation to have around a coaching culture. That makes complete sense. Uh, very great information. I love that we're talking to you. Stay a little bit longer with us if you don't mind. Uh, my next question is really about peer-to-peer coaching. So it is increasingly gaining popularity and it's practically a new movement in the coaching field. Why do you think that is? I think everyone's discovering that there's just a great value in adding coaching to the mix of technologies and understanding that enhance human performance, as well as a sense of belonging and connection. You know, people are in a distributed work model today, right? COVID put put that one to rest. We're a distributed work yeah. model. It's, it's, you know, even if you're remote, even if you're not remote, one, uh, one little organization I worked in was a little startup. Now it's a, a $1.5 billion valuation. It's a company called Divi here in Silicon Slopes. And uh, we connected. I asked someone in the room, hey, give, me, give me a problem that you're trying to solve. There are about 30 people in the room, about 100 people listening virtually. And someone rose their hand and said, well, I'm trying to do an Amazon AWS. Now, at the time, I had no idea what that was. I have since learned. And I said, well, who in this room could help solve that? And another fellow on the other side of the wall said, I can do that. I do those all day long. I said, awesome. Great connection here. I said, by the way, where do you folks work? And so we work on the same floor. And it's interesting to me that you don't have to be remote to be distributed, right? If people aren't connecting around the talent, skills, abilities, and, and experiences that they have, then you might, you could be in the next cubicle and not be connecting on what's important. So I think that we're, we're beginning to discover in organizations that there's this, this resource in the skills and abilities of people in the organization. And the real, connect, the real question is how do we connect them in an efficient manner so that they really can be applied to moving the organization strategically? Ooh, that's a good point, Roger. Is there, which you know, the next question has got to be, is there some sort of platform or any kind of uh, like an application that you recommend organizations use so that maybe people can log those skills they can do coaching on and connect with others? Yeah, in fact, uh, a lot of the a lot of the H- HR systems today are trying to figure out how to do skills. I mean, Workplace, I think, has a catalog of 55,000 skills. Wow. But, but how do you connect <laughs> it? So we've actually created our own software that allows you, it's a coaching community software where you can uh, inventory your skills. And then the, the software actually matches coaches with people who are seeking coaching. So you, you plug in what your need is, you hit the button, and it returns back to your potential coaches based upon the computer algorithm and helps you identify who in the organization can I reach out to to try to solve this problem. A coaching matchmaker. Exactly. Oh, that's great. And I'm curious, too, hearing about some of your insights as to the distributed work model, which, you know, I think a lot of us certainly can relate to now, and especially building a coaching culture. I almost want to flip some of that 
over a little bit and ask you what tips you would have for people who might be sole proprietors or consultants or, you know, kind of teams of one on their own. How does it function as far as building almost that coaching culture when you're on your own. And I'm I'm thinking there is probably opportunity in there for networking and connecting with others. But I'm also wondering, once you're able to sort of build that practice in, how do you sustain that without sort of the ongoing culture that happens within organizations more naturally? Well, it's a good question because it really, it, what we're really talking about while on the, a bigger scale, it's coaching culture. Mm-hmm. On the smaller scale, it's coaching practice. Yeah, and and so it's me as an individual saying when I when I hit a coaching trigger, it's time to reach out. It's developing that instinct to reach out. And the way I talk people through this is, I said, really think of three coaching pools. Who do I know that knows? Who do I know that may know? And who do I know that can connect me with someone that does know? And those three pools help you populate people. So let's say I'm I'm, I'm you know on my own. I'm, I'm in my own company, a company of one. And I doing something for the first time, I'd ask myself the question, well, who do I know that knows how to do this? Write their names down. Who do I know that may know how to do this? Meaning I'm not certain, but they might write their names down. And then who do I know that could connect me with someone that does know how to do this? This is that weak tie connector. I write those names down and then I reach out to those people to get coaching. So it's really a a personal individual practice. Now, when you when you're part of a large organization, it just facilitates who you can reach out to. Right. It builds those pools bigger. Mm-hmm. So I'm not limited to just who I know or who I may know. But that's what an individual can do. And I, I think the bottom line on this is developing the instinct to think coach. And so the best way to sustain it is convince people it's a belief change that, look, I, I've tried. I have these best practices. Right. I use I use LinkedIn. I do email. I text people. What I also need to do is reach out and get coaching anywhere the opportunity presents itself, because what that means is I'm going to get ideas that I hadn't thought of. I will get a a knowledge transfer that I'm not getting now that will help me do a better job. I love that. I love the idea of using instinct almost as a way to grow your company without actually having to hire anybody. You know, it's really building a culture for yourself that encourages and really needs others to participate, and provide you with that coaching opportunity. I think that's a great, great perspective. And I think you'll be surprised. Uh, most people are happy to take the time to provide coaching. It, it's it's actually a lot of people are very surprised all the research and studies come back and show nine out of 10 people are willing to provide coaching when asked. So people are more willing than you think they are. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That's very encouraging. I know there's another term that is pretty interesting and it's level up coaching. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what that's important about it? Love talking about that. It's so transformational when you think about how it works most people, we have this thing we call the skill index from zero to 10. That's that's where the name of our company comes from. We help you go from zero to 10 and you're skilling up and your ability to accomplish strategic things. And most people, if they're at the beginner level, maybe a one or a two, when you ask them, well, where do you find your best coaches? Let's say I'm trying to learn how to play golf and I'm probably a 1.1 on the scale for golf. And uh, let's say I'm looking for a coach. Who, who am I going to look for? And I, it's so funny in workshops when they ask that, the immediate response is Tiger Woods. I want, I want the 10. I want the 11 team. I want the pro doing this. And the problem is 
these pros, the, the coming down to that level is just so impossible for them. And so the best coach, what the research has shown is that the best coach usually comes because of the principle of recency, not expertise, meaning those who are more recently go- have gone through the experience can serve as a better coach than perhaps those who have the better expertise. And so that's called level up coaching. So if I'm a one on a scale from zero to 10, my best coach is going to be a two or a three. It's going to be someone that was just there. They can empathize with the, the challenges, the frustrations, the, the little tricks that may take you to the next step, the shortcuts, the hacks, they, they know it all. And so getting that knowledge and understanding while it's fresh and they just experienced it leads to the best coaching. That's a level up coach. That makes so much sense to me. You know, people are always reaching for the stars, but, you know, you kind of have to work your way up to the stars. <laughs> so I really like that. Very nice. Um, if you don't mind, somebody recommended your book to me. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Get a Coach, Be a Coach? Yes. Yeah. So uh, the book itself is really meant to be an easy read and an understanding of these simple principles that we've been talking about but filled with a lot of uh, research and support so that people can see it's based in science in terms of what really does work in organizations today. And one of the principles is it really, you, it's really two sides, right? So when you create a coaching culture, you, you have the, ac- the activity of getting a coach and being a coach. And so we talk about the basic principles involved in being effective at getting a coach. We have the, the high five strategies for how you get coaching from anyone, anytime. You don't have to rely on how good the coach is. You can have your own skills and, and techniques for getting out of someone the coaching you need. Uh, there's also, we've described the three types of coaching engagements and other things like this. On the be a coach side, we really talk about the, the value add and, and, and the effective techniques used to actually effectively coach someone else. And it's interesting. We often think, again, that expertise is the really the basis for being a good coach, but it's really the ability to share experiences. So it's not talking uh, tactically about it, but it's, but it's creating the, sharing the narrative about how did I do this and what did that look like and what did that feel like and what did you do when this happened? And so there's yes. some abilities behind that. So the book really talks about both of those sides of that coaching equation. Okay. We're at that point in the interview. I was going to say episode, interview, episode, same thing. <laughs> Where we engage in those rapid fire questions. Each question requires less than 60 seconds to respond. Are you ready to play? Let's do it. Yay. Okay. In addition to the Oz principle, the wisdom of Oz, how did that happen? Change the culture, change the game, get a coach, be a coach. So you can't answer any of those because we already know they're awesome. Give us one book that all professionals must read and why. Well, that's that's a hard one because there's so many good books. But I know <laughs> I, would have to, I would have to put a plug in for uh, crucial conversations. And, Ooh. Uh, my my motivation behind that is that I think there's a great need for figuring out how to have the hard accountability conversations that we have, and I think they do an awesome job talking about it. Yes, and communication is. Very important to us humans. For sure. Yay. Okay. So give us one tool that you recently learned about and you immediately started using. So this is a digital thing. So there's this, there's this tablet. It's called Remarkable. I don't know if you've heard of it. <gasps> I have one. I'm using it right now. Isn't it the best? <laughs> I love it. 
But share with the listeners what it is. Well, it's a tablet that it emulates more like you're writing on paper. It doesn't have, it's not a backlit screen. So it's easier, an easier experience. And you can load up PDFs and mark them up with a pencil and send them electronically. It's just a nice iteration on the technology. Just love it. Yes, I am addicted. I take it with me everywhere. Great. <laughs> um, okay, so what is the best piece of professional advice you've ever been given? Well, it would be uh, keep it simple. Uh, <laughs> yes. human, human beings like things simple, not complicated. And we tend to complicate with that which is simple. So keep it simple. I love it. And I like KISS too. Keep it simple, silly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> what's one thing you're excited about that's coming up for you in 2021? Well, just so glad to see uh, the economy opening up and uh, organizations being able to get out of uh, survival and thriving and uh, deploying strategies that reconnect people meaningfully in ways that make a difference. So real happy to see that coming. Yeah, me too. Now, what is the one thing within the Association for Talent Development community that you're deeply grateful for right now? I appreciate uh, these most organizations taking a real responsible approach to responding to social needs. And uh, Mm. we've seen some very recent concerns in our society. And I, I think there's many organizations that are being very thoughtful, level-headed, and proactive about responding to that. Love, to, love, love seeing that. Mm, I'm right there with you. They're pro because silence is what is it condoning or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I love that people are stepping up now. Oh, thank you so much, Roger. We're so happy you joined us today to share your wisdom with our listeners. Thank you for your time. Oh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I appreciate it very much. And thank you to my co-host as well. Oh, so loved and enjoyed this uh, interview. Yeah, I I have circled coaching instinct on my notepad. So I'm looking forward to really thinking about how to develop mine. Thank you so much for the insights. You bet. Ooh, maybe you'll get a remarkable that you can circle. I was going to say that because I also have that open on my phone right now to start looking into. So really, really insights and recommendations all around. I love it. It's great. Very nice. And many thanks to our community for listening. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Helena? Are you looking for new opportunities in the talent development field? Then go to dcatd.org forward slash jobs. Want to network with other chapter members? Join the Metro DC chapter of ATD members on LinkedIn today.